LL Nation, what's good? Hope everyone had a great weekend. This is the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm your guy, Sean Davis at SD2 Mikes. That dude right there, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire. We are featuring and brought to you by Anora Whiskey. That's right. That premium American whiskey. Why don't you go right now to AnoraWhiskey.com, grab you a little something. Something to sip on, smooth, might grow a chest hair or two. Right. That premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. Great, great weekend. I would venture to say this weekend couldn't have gone better than it did for Notre Dame, bro. It feels good because it seems like, you know, we're all moving on the same accord of the things that we should be going after and the things that they're doing in the in the MF era that align to the things we talk about. So it just seems like this is a everybody's all in on the same thing. So right before we stopped recording on Friday, I believe the news of Jason at a Miola uh, coming back had come down and we knew Brandon Joseph would be visiting. News came down on Saturday that Brandon Joseph decided to commit to Notre Dame via the transfer portal. And you had an opportunity to speak with Brandon Joseph on Saturday night. What did you take away from that conversation? Well, the one thing I can tell is that the NIL has definitely impacted the journey of what these guys are thinking about when it comes to just their brand being put on display in any in any scenario. So I definitely think this is a, a part of that new movement when you're trying to, you know, it's different than when you used to get kids to want to get on and do interviews for the press. Now it's, everything is about a dollar, which is not everything maybe, but that's where the, the mindset is kind of shifted to in a business sense, which is good for the kids to have. Yeah. Uh, but he's definitely excited about the opportunity to, you know, elevate not only the team, but, the brand of what Notre Dame carries and coming from a, a nice place of Northwestern. And we already had a Northwestern trans, uh, transfer that boded well for us and even played with us in the playoffs and Ben Skoranek. So hopefully we get that same love that he was able to give us some offense on defense. So then the bigger news, and this is what I want to ask you. That was huge news, but there was other news waiting to be heard by Notre Dame and his fan base on January the 8th. And that was whether or not Isaiah Foskey will be returning to Notre Dame or foregoing his final year to go to the NFL. And he chose to come back. So we had Foskey's return, he stands hiring, we also had the twins, the Adamiolas, both yep. returning. You also had Avery Davis officially coming back. You had Josh Lug returning. And then you had Jared Patterson, the all-pro center, return as well. Out of all of those things, give me your top three things that have happened for Notre Dame that give Notre Dame a much better chance going into the horseshoe. What are the three things out of all those things I just talked about 
give me the three that were the most important. Foskey being coming back, I think, is a huge step uh, for what we can do on defense and solidifying a top five defense that you're going to need if you want to be able to broach that national championship conversation. I think Foskey is not only helping himself by coming back, right. but helping solidifying that defense line that we'll have some guys fill in for, some guys coming back. So I definitely think that's a good staple for Marcus Freeman to lean on, seeing that he can get retention even with guys that uh, are didn't start out with him. So I think that's the number one for me. Uh, the second one, I would say the second one is just cleaning house of getting Harry Heastan in there, getting rid of some of the guys and some of the things that was in the previous uh, era that we were in, just because I think it's, it's good to get a fresh start and get a clean slate so we can get a, a great evaluation of how we want to walk into these next uh, next hopefully decade of uh, Marcus Freeman. But even more importantly, getting that stuff cleaned up before you head into the practice uh, with and going into the spring, which is going to be huge, a huge transition getting ready for the Ohio State game. So that's important. And then the last thing I will say is probably the Brandon Joseph transfer to see that uh, the efforts of our recruiting is even stout and, and, and we're covering all the bases and trying to fill out the team as best as we can through the transfer portal. We've seen all throughout the country where it's helped many teams uh, get over that hump and we see it even in this uh, game tonight, the national championship game, a bunch of transfers in there making impact plays. So all we need is one or two in a few spots and we got it covered in the secondary, especially replacing uh, Kyle Hamilton, who's a top five pick. He may not be a top five pick like Kyle Hamilton, but he definitely will provide a lot of experience and screen popping plays for that secondary that needs a little bit of help. For me, I think overall, and you can look at this, I I wouldn't be mad if someone said Harry Heastan would be number one. And the reason I say that is because I believe it definitely impacted Josh Lugg's decision to return. I definitely think it impacted um, Jared Patterson coming back. The news that Chris Watt will be on the staff over the weekend or right before the weekend. So now you have the old line situation solved for the short term and you have it solved for the long term. And then you look at the depth that you have now along that offensive line and you expect them to take a step forward. That within itself and the run game being at a certain level that we're used to at Notre Dame makes me feel a whole lot better about what Tyler Buckner is going to be asked to do next season. He doesn't have to come out and be Bryce Young. He doesn't have to come out and throw the ball 45 to 50 times and throw for 400 yards for Notre Dame to win games. Now, RPOs, running game with the quarterback, play action, screens, big shots down the field. Notre Dame has a real opportunity with that offensive line being cohesive under Harry Heastand to go ahead and make some dynamic moves and dynamic plays in the 2022 season. Yeah, I think that Harry Heastand hire is very impactful. I just didn't put it as my number one only because I didn't think the offensive line was as abysmal as 
people were making it seem. I think Harry Easton really yeah. cemented the greatness of the of it through the consistent years that he's been there. But I do think he does provide a huge stability for an offense that hopefully finds its identity. And like you said, a lot of the RPOs, a lot of some play action, heavy run game, using getting Tyler to be less uh, less quarterback centric as an offense to take some of the pressure off as he develops to allow him to become from a game manager to a game guy that takes over. I think that's the proper steps to developing as we're approaching this new season, because last year he was too much of a utility guy. He was no different than a Taysom Hill. You might throw in on kickoff return or might go in there and make some tackles here and there and may play quarterback because of the skill set that he has. I think this is a, Great way for Heastan to be able to use the offensive line to cushion some of the load that we'll have to ask him, especially when early on in the Ohio State game, provided he's the starter. You don't want to have him going into the game like Jack Cone did in the Fiesta Bowl, throwing it 68 times. Now, we're right. going to have a lot more protection uh, and a better understanding of the protection with Blake Fisher being older, Josh Love coming back, the offensive line being more experienced. But you also want to give Tyler the ability to let that running back room be take off. You know, we we got the guy Jaden Price coming in. We got uh, the running back room going to elevate itself. But it's important that if we can be balanced in the Ohio State game and give Tyler Buckner opportunities to take shots down the field in a controlled manner and not play desperate with Tyler Buckner, where we just say throw him out there and let him run around and use the talents he does have, we want to be able to monetize that to use it efficiently, you know, so he's not just wasting big plays for empty calories. Lucky Lefty Podcast, Sean Davis, Malik Zaire. Thank you for everybody tapping in today. Hope you had a great weekend. We're going to talk a little NFL and kind of mesh it into the dominoes falling in college football. Black Monday has gotten off to a fast start. The NFC North, clean sweeps. Front offices and head coaching situations, an unexpected firing down in Miami, and we'll get to some more things and how that might impact certain college football coaches a little bit later in the show. And then we're going to talk about one college football coach warning the rest of college football that they need to regulate the NIL or things are going to get worse. We'll get to that. So moving forward, Marcus Freeman. Got an opportunity to watch 10 of his kids in the Army All-American game. It looked very good, all of those kids. And then the next day, he welcomed his early enrollees to campus. We saw guys like Jaden Mickey posting on his social media. His father was complaining about the 20-degree weather already <laughs> coming from California. But... Also over the weekend, there was a viral video on TikTok where some Notre Dame fans kind of went at C.J. Williams and put some music to his decommitment and ending up. This rivalry, in my opinion, is going to be fever pitch in like two or three years when it comes to Notre Dame USC. I mean, taking the coaches, that's one thing. But just the way things have gone, the C.J. Williams D commitment, and just the natural rivalry itself between the fan bases. I think the two teams that are going to truly challenge Alabama and Georgia 
over the next three to four years will be Notre Dame and USC. Yeah, you could definitely expect the challenge to be from from USC because of the fact that they're in a conference in which Lincoln Riley has hit the jackpot into his coaching style and his paradise he'll be able to build at USC, bringing in top quarterbacks. I mean, Lincoln Riley at USC is a paradise for any quarterback that's a high, you know, Hollywood style, a quarterback, top five guy to really want to embrace the L.A. lifestyle with Lincoln Riley because they see the track record. They see what he's able to put together. And being in the Pac-12 where it's a passing league, I mean, that's like, man, that's like a kid in a candy shop. So it'll, it'll be an attraction of a lot of great things. Hopefully, well, what we know from Lincoln Riley's history, it won't be a lot of defense, but you will see some uh, greatest show on turf uh, in college out there in Los Angeles, not just the Los Angeles Rams. So, um, you know, it, it definitely matches the area. I think the Rams are very similar to how USC is going to build, be built, have a high-quality yeah. quarterback that can throw it deep with a bunch of great receivers. Uh, and defensively, hopefully they can – being that it's USC can bring in the right defensive recruits to still uh, make a name. But in terms of the Pac-12, I got USC as a favorite on a consistent basis, you know, because of Lincoln Riley. And then for us, I think we're trending upwards because of the fact that we have a, a refreshed system being in place at a place where the perspective will change and that will change the dynamic of our team. I think we'll see more of guys like a Brandon Joseph, guys that are very talented, that are expressing uh, their interest in Notre Dame that may not have had the same uh, uh, encouragement to come as, as what they would have now. And that'll just reverberate to the younger guys and that'll build on a program with a young head coach that's got the years to uh, and the patience to travel and do all it takes to really uh, build a program uh, on top of the foundation that is built on. And so um, we're definitely going to be contenders in the near future, not the far future, but it only solidified the, the top five best teams uh, in the country instead of the top three. After this past weekend, do you feel more comfortable about the 2022 season than you did on Friday? Uh, I feel I feel we're in the right direction. The quarterback situation still has to be uh hashed out in my mind to, yeah. to for, for me to really feel like we got the right decision. Like, for instance, that uh, if we were able to snag a Caleb Williams, I would feel a lot better about going to 2022 just because I know that what, what, what we would get and the potential of what we would have uh, would be enough to at least make it interesting in the shoe to match up their talent on offense. Now, moving forward, you talk about some – Pretty good reason to watch the national championship game. And Notre Dame fans, if for no other reason than to watch two really good football teams, Alabama will be down one of their top receivers. Holman Wiggins is a candidate to be the wide receiver coach at Notre Dame. So watching how he gets the young receivers at Alabama prepared, because they really didn't have to throw the ball against Cincinnati. You saw how they physically dominated Cincinnati. And Mike Trestle's defensive game plan was just god-awful. Just just awful. Coming into this game against this Georgia defense, they're going to have to throw the ball. And now these young receivers are going to be under the microscope to step up and fill the shoes of Mechie 
in this game. And I want to see how Holman Wiggins really gets this young wide receiver core ready on the biggest stage. Just something to see for Notre Dame fans to watch tonight to see how the young wide receivers for Alabama actually play in this game. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think the one thing that we know from Alabama's history with young receivers is you look at a Devontae Smith as a true freshman in a national championship situation and see the outcome. So uh -huh. if you had to bank on any freshman to be prepared in a moment like this, it would be the Alabama freshman receiver core specifically uh, because they always step up to the plate and they've been reloading and replacing for the last five, six years. And on top of that, you know, for me, this wide receiver core that Notre Dame is going to be bringing back now that we know senior Avery Davis is going to come back for his sixth year. I'm really trying to place, you know, because we talked about this when Avery Davis first went down with the uh, season in the ACL injury. I was like, I just don't want him to come back and take snaps from young guys. Like, I just don't want to see Deion Cozy hopping into the transfer portal in the spring. I don't want to see Jane Thomas hopping into the transfer portal in the spring. And that is one of the challenges that I believe that the wide receiver coach is going to have is setting the tone and making everybody feel like you're going to get your opportunity. You just need to be ready. There's no reason to run. There's no need to go to another institution. You're going to get your opportunity here at Notre Dame. There'll be plenty of opportunities and make sure everybody is ready because Marcus Freeman has already set up the culture of competition during bowl preparation. One of the biggest challenges, in my opinion, is whomever, Jamarcus Shepard, Holman, whomever it is, one of their biggest challenges is going to change, is going to be changing the narrative, not only in recruiting, but then changing the narrative of opportunities for young players at Notre Dame at that position. Yeah, I mean that's and that's the key is, is is being able to get that guy that can be a centerfold for what you really want to put in place. I mean, at the end of the day, something's like we talked about the things that recruit great receivers, you gotta have a, a, a really great quarterback, or you gotta have a really great receiver coach. Or you have to have the opportunity to show that you can pass the ball enough to or with the guys in the NFL that you're producing each and every year. So having that guy come in there and just be able to retain big time receivers and develop them through the years, I think it'll be um that I see on the cake that I think Notre Dame has been missing because if you think about our biggest flaws in the last 10, 12 years, it has been having a dominant receiver room. So being able to get a guy that can at least trend us upwards and, yeah. and change the narrative of, oh, this is a cool place to be if you're a receiver. That may not be in the first year, but with one or two impactful recruits or maybe a transfer, I think it can trend that way as well. First of all, we want to say happy birthday, happy birthday to one of our day ones, one Lozado. Lozada, happy birthday to you, my brother. Enjoy the rest of your day and many more absolutely many more thank everybody from ll nation tapping in today we do have a super chat we want to get to right quick christopher morgan says happy monday morning ll nation so i missed the cast when you were asking where to take recruits locally from our friday show okay 
got to take them to the new three-level Bar Louie and Granger. Third-level open patio with a fireplace and great mm. food. Mm. Hey, listen. Well, that wasn't there during your time, was it? No, I mean, listen, Notre Dame is a totally different place than when I was there. I mean, Eddie Street's different. The stadium's different. So the one thing you'll get is that every time you visit, it definitely gives you an update on something new and cool and improved that they're trying to put out there. So, listen, the more places, the better. I think this is a good opportunity for people that uh, <laughs> want to get a better experience in South Bend to start at Notre Dame and then spread out. Yo, so – I got Jay. I don't know if you saw this, bro. I didn't have a chance to really cut it up for us. Tobias on the petty train with the TikTok about CJ Williams. We'll get to that. We'll get yeah. to that. And just to let you guys know, I had computer issues this weekend. So it'll be a couple of days before I actually have the petty train intro. I'll try to get it back tomorrow. But my computer's being worked on. I'm on the backup. So I just want to make sure you know when you don't see me say let's get to it. Nothing will be popping up. We'll just get right to the stories today. And more than likely, yes, Tobias Merriweather for that TikTok is going to end up on the petty train for going at CJ Williams. It was kind of harsh, in my opinion. Because he wasn't really? the first. I think Jaden Mickey went at him when he decommitted. So obviously, all of the California kids. Felt like they had a pack coming in to Notre Dame, and he broke the pack. So, and you know that's right. You know that's right. I'm tired of seeing all this fun-loving sportsmanship at, at rival schools with these players. It's time. To, it's time to be a little stingy, man. We don't. We don't. If you ain't with us, you against us, kind of. That is kind of like what you want to see, right? We don't like you. You don't like us. Let's get it. Let's get it. And, Let's and, get and, it. And, and it's cool because you know why we are we are giving too much benefit of that because nobody's afraid to play us because you know why they come to Notre Dame and want to take pictures and stuff. <laughs> right. Want to take visits. <laughs> they want to take visits. Right. Right. So now maybe, maybe it's a little bit, you know, you might have to look over your shoulder now, you know, we may not be too welcoming in the MF era with these recruits and how they going about uh, sticking together and, and being a, a you versus us mentality. You know what? I don't mind if teams like Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma, teams like that, USC, come into the stadium. You know, but if teams like Toledo and the MAC teams, they need to be fearful of getting that 50 spot put on them every time they step in. Every time. These teams come in here and have more excitement on the sideline than we do. They come in here being like they go into the Roman – the Roman, uh, what do you call it? The Roman Coliseum. They just, right. they just feeding off of the crowd, like right. in a negative, negative way for us. Like we, like wait a minute, y'all can't be more excited off the crowd than we are. You know what I mean? Man, so, it's too many teams coming into Notre Dame Stadium real comfortable. Yeah, not taking their shoes off at the front door. Yeah, they over here just. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. The fan is already bad enough. The, the opposite team's fans have been taking over our stadium on big games, but we talked about you know, that too. You know, it's just it just comes down to at the end of the day, what are we going to take as a fan base to change the era? Like we want to be an intimidating place to play. I remember when I was getting recruited, 
they always compare playing at Notre Dame or as an away team was like playing at Sunday Park, you know, growing up, you know, those soccer games, those those uh, soccer moms at those games on Sunday morning with all the little kids running around and get the nice little, you know, participation clap. That's what it, that's what it, people feel like, you know, back when I was getting recruited, what it's like to play at Notre Dame. Right. So now in this case, we want, it starts with the recruits. If the recruits is making it a hostile environment that if you either committing or you, or we'll see you on the schedule, that's where it starts because that's going to be a reflective of how the fans respond you know, Absolutely. when we're out there putting up 50 points a game. Yeah, man. Too many teams coming in, just going straight to the refrigerator without asking. <laughs> yeah, just go go straight, go straight, make himself a sandwich, you know, right. grab your favorite chips that you've been holding on to, you know, putting a little juice left at the bottom of the uh, little bottle and stuff. Just you come hey. in, they got they, your favorite chair, <laughs> legs kicked up. Watching TV, it's like okay, that's how comfortable teams are. That's how comfortable Cincinnati was coming into yeah. Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah, going there, laying on your bed, you know, asking where the towels at, want to take a shot, just just too comfortable. So yeah, see, that's the remember when I told you we were losing a little edge when we gave the visitors another way to come into the stadium besides that tunnel. I told you, bro. No, make them come through us through that same tunnel. One way in, one way out. If we get to a fight before the game, that's cool. That's cool. We're not losing the fight, and we're not losing the game. It's one thing to lose the game and get whooped. That's just bad. We got a question from Ashley Hill. Want to make sure we give clarity. You know, that's not wait a minute. That's wait a minute. I know you're not dismissing season receivers Avery Davis produces. Once again, we're not dismissing anybody. But I'm not I'm he not sacrificing my youngsters that I had three years with for a guy coming off an ACL injury that I don't know what he's going he's going to have to prove to me that he's still producing. We're not we I'm not just giving him a job. Yeah, you can't. You can't, you can't, can't do that's that. Because that's, that's what we did last time. That's what we've been doing this whole season, just giving guys opportunities because they've waited their turn, you know, and that's just – that gets you only to a certain point. I think we just as a program are beyond that, and we need to focus on what is it going to take to get the best out there each and every time. And we love Avery Davis. I think he has to worry about getting in, in health to keep up with Styles. Because Back. I think we're playing the same position. And Styles is just a, a young Thundercat. So that's a challenge in of itself. And I don't think we should deny ourselves as a team putting Avery over a Styles as ready because I think we can get more production out of Styles. And to be honest, based upon when the injury happened, I don't see Avery being ready game one. Yeah. That would be yeah. miraculous if he's ready to go game one at yeah. full game speed. That's so, similar. That's what George Pickens tore his ACL in spring ball. And he didn't get back until like the end of the season. Yeah. And and you know, for like you said, for it to be a late injury. Yeah. I don't think I think he would push himself obviously to get back faster than what he's probably allotted to. You know, I know they're gonna take their time, but 
when I'm thinking about it, it's just it's just an uphill battle for him. And especially when you're coming back as a fifth year senior, it's it's tougher to do that collection of things considering where we're trying to head to. And hopefully Marcus Freeman and Tommy have a plan, but sometimes you get lost in the shuffle in these cases. Man, look, we're talking about changing narratives, right? And, and Jamarcus Shepard or whomever, Holman, whomever gets the job for the wide receiver coach. And shout out, you know what, man? Marcus Freeman is a really good dude, right? Lara Nitus has been trying to get into coaching. His best friend becomes head coach at Notre Dame, gives his boy a job, right? Gives his boy a job. Marcus Freeman goes hard at Brian Hartline, tries to get him to come over to Notre Dame, probably knowing it's going to be hard to get him from Ohio State over to Notre Dame. And, of course, since he's coming after his guy, what does Ohio State do? They give him a promotion and a raise. Look at Marcus Freeman getting this boy a raise. Boy, that's, that's a good friend. That's to to make all this stuff happen, man, and you and you ain't even really won a game yet. I think it just shows that you know he's gonna put it all on the line. If he has to fail, at least he failed trying as much as he could. You know, it's putting all the pieces together as best as he could. You can't blame that, man. You know what? Our guy Dave Moore, Matt Anderson says Indy Stadium has a horrible fan atmosphere compared to the Southern schools. It's almost like half the stadium falls asleep during the during the games. I'll probably never happen. It'll probably never happen, but it needs to pump up. I, I, it's kind of, look, it's hard to compare football atmospheres on any level to what you see in the South, right? Yeah, like, like think about a team like Auburn. A yeah. team like Auburn can average like a 500 record but to play at Auburn is probably a 10 out of 10 every time. Right. Because, one, Auburn has a team built to where they got some screen poppers. If if the quarterback's solid enough, they got some guys that will pop on screen. They always got some big, ugly, strong dudes on defense. So they got players that, that cause you to not want to sit on your hands. Yeah. But then again, the environment down in Auburn is there's nothing else out there, man. Those That's a – that's Auburn. So you're going to have the fans engaged because that's more the culture uh, that's highlighted. I don't think the first thing that is highlighted at Notre Dame particularly is the football culture. It's, right. it's brought up. Yeah. But, you know, we so special at so many different things. I don't think that's everybody's first attention. Like, man, to be initiated in Notre Dame, I got to go to a football game. You know, people think about the grotto, touchdown Jesus, the dome. It's a tourist you know, spot. Yeah, they they want to take pictures like so. Yeah, that's a, I don't think that'll be something we'll we'll get away from. It's just people need to know. Yeah, if you're a serious football fan as well, we got that. We got that. Another super chat. Christopher Morgan says visiting teams are going to learn quick in South Bend next two to four years. I hope so. And yeah. that, I'm gonna be honest. Setting the atmosphere might have to be on the players the next two years more than the fans. Like, yeah. you need some blowouts. You need to blow teams out, create an atmosphere. Off, you know, maybe some touchdown dances. Yeah. You know, get, get, get nice with it. And, yo, get the fans out of there by the third quarter, too. Let them go down to Edie Street. 
or Eddie Street by the yeah. third quarter. Let them feel yeah, out. Yeah, I didn't know that. Let them out. It should be like a 30-point game in the third quarter. Let them go. Yeah, help out. We should help yeah. out local businesses and get get them blown out for you know usually when the game be over we be overtime or something delay right so people get out be hungry all things closed down at 10 30 so it'd be nice to, to get a nice dub like we did in 2015 at texas get people out before the start of fourth they go to brothers go to yats chipotle you know the whole the whole nine i got brendan standard says avery davis should be styles back up Styles has way more upside than Davis. Davis gives us great depth. You know, I don't think Avery was coming back in mind of being a backup, but it's one, things, it's one of those things to where we got to be like, what are, are the coaches thinking forward or are the coaches being nice? You know, because I think everybody, we can sit on this podcast and evaluate who's the better for the situation right now then I know that they, they probably know the same thing. And so it's about are they going to make the decision to put Styles in that what we need from Styles right now in our offense to get us more threatening in, the, in our schedule moving forward. I don't think team Andrew Goss says in the chat, tickets are way too expensive, man. You know, I've never paid for a ticket to a Notre Dame game. It's either been by credential or you know, when I was a younger kid with my my grandfather. So, what you gotta do is if y'all really, y'all really Notre Dame fans, that's what y'all gotta do. Y'all gotta come together and buy season tickets together as a family, and then y'all split the games. Well, you can go this one. I go this one. You go this one. So, you gotta, gotta make your own package up. Yeah, you gotta make your own package up because Notre Dame gonna get they squeeze their dollars out of them tickets. Yeah, it was remember they sold turf facts or the grass before we got turf. They sold that for super chat hella money in the second quarter against Navy in a zero zero game. The crowd was doing first of all, let's stop right there. You just said everything with that first sentence. We're talking about this year in the second quarter against Navy, which was a one of the worst Navy teams I've seen in recent history. A scoreless game in the second quarter. The crowd was doing the wave. People coming to Notre Dame as though it's a, a club sipping their wine and eating their cheese. Once again, this goes back to my original point where it falls on the players over the next two years to create the atmosphere. There's no way it should be a 0-0 game in the second quarter against Nate. That's the biggest issue right there. That's the biggest issue. Not the fans up in the stands. That's the issue right there. It is, and we always joke that Stanford, they up there doing homework while they playing the game, but we we just as bad. We just got more seats, you know, so for us, I think even adding as much as we did to the stadium, let the people that want to drink wine and eat cheese up there, and you let the real ravaged fans in the stadium, at least close to, close to the action where we can get the camera on them to make it look like that we rocking in the house. You know, I think one of the things, I think just because of who we are, we have an older fan base, you know, more mature, you know, people that's been going to the game since they were little and now they older than the stadium happen to still be going to the games. So you're just not going to get the same energy as you would 
as the student section, which is only a portion of the stadium. I remember going to Clemson. It felt like the whole stadium was a student section. And it was in the rain. So it just shows that it's just the culture may be a little different. I don't think we have like the uh, <laughs> our fans would be old for you know these conference teams like the North Carolina State. You're not gonna see a bunch of third generation, second generation, first generation all at the game at the same time. You know, you might just see uh junior parent weekend or something or whatever the case is. So I think because we're so traditional, we got a lot of people that traditionally come. Yeah. <laughs> That's just what you go get. So we want to say congratulations and much success to Myron Tagliavailoa Omosa, who decided to go to the NFL and take his talents to the NFL. He made that announcement on yesterday. And it just brings me to the defensive line, bro. This defensive line has an opportunity to be very dominant next year. Very dominant. You talk about Riley Mills and Ernst Berger having the opportunity to move out to the outside. I still believe to take the next step, especially in the run game defensively, you still need some big studs up there, like a Tua, like a Knicks, in that frame and in that mold. The safety position you feel real good about. They go four or five deep. You know, yeah, Houston Griffith coming back, DJ Brown coming back. You get Brandon Joseph, Xavier Watts, who in all possibilities can play on both sides of the ball. He's that talented. If you need to move him to wide receiver, you can. The safety position is in much better shape. The cornerback opposite, Cam Hart. Because we went into last offseason saying who is going to be that number one defensive back. And lo and behold, Cam Hart rose to the occasion this season. Now we're asking who can be that guy opposite. You know, will it be one of the incoming freshmen? Will it be a guy like Phillip Riley? It's going to be very interesting to see. Because if they solidify that second defensive back, safe to say this could be a top five defensive team next season yeah it's gonna be a key ingredient i think with foskey being back brandon joseph coming in the experience of the defense raising as well as uh as well as just the team in general just upgrading i think it's just gonna be important for everybody to realize that by no stretch of the imagination do i think we're going to regress yeah so poor progressing i mean the ceilings the is even higher. So I do think that getting closer to having that another year under Marcus Freeman and his defense and setting in, it's kind of like the cake. You got to let it rest so it can get all the, the right taste together. And I think that's what's going to happen this next year. I mean, if you saw – I want to get to the wide receivers because, you know, a lot of people in the chat are talking about that. But this defensive line – and the linebacking crew that they have coming in. Now, some of those youngsters, we expect Prince Colley to definitely get some tick next year. We expect Jalen Sneed to be impactful from that linebacker core next year. But for me, yeah. I'm going to be honest, man. I'm not really concerned about – my only concern, really, is finding that next defensive back. That's really my main concern. 
Everything else I can rock with week one. And I would I much rather, I would much rather face CJ Stroud week one than week seven. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to face them losing the offensive talent that they're going to be losing, I would much rather face them early in the season while they're trying to get everything together than to face them in the middle of the season. I don't know. I think catching Ohio State anytime is a bad time. Oh, absolutely. I think as Oregon, as yeah, Oregon, yeah, I'm playing them early in the season and <laughs> playing them later in the season, they would have said that definitely was about to bring up Oregon. I think yeah. what Oregon's advantage was is they had a quarterback that was experienced, they had a team that was riding high because they played really well and had a number one player. And Kayvon Thibodeau riding, they was riding that defense with, and that linebacker that was really good. But what I what I really liked about what I was seeing is that, and the potential of what we can have, is that Ohio State, yeah, they're going to challenge us on the receiver and the secondary end, one hundred percent. I don't care who we got back there. Yeah. So my my concern going into the game is what's that D tackle like? What's those? What's Fauci and that other end looking like? And how impactful can we get a five-star D-tackle in there? Yeah. Because C.J. Stroud's not a – he's kind of built like a Dwayne Haskins. He's not going to run on you for 1,000 yards. So getting pressure on him with four, getting in his face with with just pure pass rush with, with that middle pressure from a D-tackle or a nose guard is going to be critical because that's going to throw him off his timing to make him more inaccurate. I don't want to – hold on the fact of him sitting back there all day just being able to go against a stronger secondary because it's hard for any secondary to keep up with the amount of talent that they have on a down-to-down basis. I mean, we're talking about 80 to 85 plays of playing secondary defense. I think it's just better to get pressure to make some of, to lessen some of the accurate chances to give us some potential turnover opportunities. So for me, I'm looking at the D-line going into that OSU game. And Nana, we have to forget Nana Asafa Mensa, who was pretty much Isaiah Foskey's backup, now probably slides over to the opposite side his junior year. You look forward to be his breakout season. So you have both of those guys coming off the edge. Quarterbacks, I mean, that's something for CJ Stroud to worry about. Yeah, if we can if we can get CJ Stroud thinking. And at least take his first read out the picture. I can. I think we can survive having him be able to be a playmaker with his feet a little bit more and buying yeah. time a little bit more. Because as you can tell from the Utah game, when they got in rhythm and they couldn't get any pressure with the front four or five, it's not, like who ain't nobody covering that. Nobody's no. covering that because they got too many guys, and CJ's too accurate of a player to make the best defense look look tough. Remind me, bro, I have a question for you. You're going to put me on the petty train, but at the end of the show, I got a question for you. All right, I remember. Just remind you about it. Eric Ward says, nothing against our players, but we just don't have enough for next year. I see four to five losses. Are you out of your mind? Four to five losses where? Wait, wait, dude, wait a minute. Four to five losses to who? Please look at the schedule and type the losses. Please yeah. type the losses. He must be saying Boston College, Ohio State, Clemson, USC, no. and 
first of all, and first of all, USC won't have enough on either line. No. Like they got wide receivers. They won't ever have enough on either line. They don't have enough on either line. That's number one. Boston College? Come on, man. What do we didn't we hear the same thing this year? This is a transition year. We don't have a quarterback. Offensive line is young. All of these things we heard, Notre Dame could lose four to five games. How many games did they lose? Two. Yeah. Two. Two. Two I mean, Clemson, we're scared of Clemson now? Clemson just struggled to put up 24 points against Iowa State. We're, we're scared of Clemson now? I mean, I it's not like Trevor Lawrence is their quarterback. I will say this, though. Gabe Klubnik is going to be a problem from what yeah, I saw in the American game. He's a not next year. We, we should have a, a good enough defense to be able to stop a true freshman if he starts. If well, we don't have enough. At the end of the year. We're catching him in November. Man, listen. Our defense is supposed to be top five. Oh, so absolutely. So if Absolutely. we can't stop a true freshman, I don't care. If if he's Tom Brady, then that's one thing. But you got to be pretty damn special to be cooking us on defense next year specifically. Like, you got to respect our defense. I think Kate is going to be good, but I think our defense is going to be better than when DJ played us at home with the talent that we'll have that's compared to that talent that was on defense when they played. Yeah, yeah. So is this true? Because like I said, I look beer being sold at Notre Dame. I don't know if that ever takes place. I mean, that's 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 really a tough one. Um, I, I'm sure if you tailgate, you know, you can BYOB and get lit anyway coming to the stadium. I mean. I put the onus on this Notre Dame football team to create a better atmosphere. Yeah. Flat out. Flat out. Which is not a hostile environment, so. No. You know, you'd be a rival fan. You come into the tailgate. They offer you a hot dog, some Notre Dame gear. <laughs> you know, they show you around campus, give you business cards. You know, you leave like a networking event. And you know, you the, big ten, the Big Ten was like that, though, bro. I can honestly say we traveled around. You know, when I was at Illinois, we had uh, good friends there on the squad that always left us tickets at will call uh, at every away game. And we would go to the campuses. Uh, Michigan State is still my favorite campus. Still, man, we had a ball in Michigan State, bro. A ball. Michigan was very... You know, they got a nice little quaint downtown area. It's real cute. Uh, it was kind of boring. It was a boring weekend up in Michigan. Michigan State was lit. Yeah, Michigan State was lit. Yeah, Michigan State was lit. They were very accommodating. And most people, you know, they talk trash. They knew they were going to win the majority of the time. So they were very accommodating to us. They man, they would allow us to eat their food. Yeah, but they was whooping up on Illinois all the time back. back and, and that's what I'm saying. Thing. So 
you know, you're making teams and their fan bases feel too comfortable. I'm not saying you don't have to get like West Virginia and throw batteries, you know, and do all maybe, maybe, maybe one game to stay, <laughs> you know, to get somebody. We got to give some people some stuff to think about. We don't even give them no. Every time that day, people come up here, they're like, man, they damn near gonna give us their tickets. Yo, so have you seen you saw the movie The Express, right? Yeah. So you remember when he went to this apartment movie where he went to West Virginia and they pretty much warned him don't take the field. And of course he played, coach tried to keep him from scoring so they wouldn't have to go through certain things. But just the vitriol you saw. And I talk to players still to this day that tell me the vitriol in Morgantown has not changed at all. <laughs> It is still the same today. Like what you saw in that movie being portrayed is the same thing that's happening today. So I don't know if I want to be along those lines, but man, it sure would be nice to have an intimidation factor in Notre Dame. It's so funny. My father, who was not a Notre Dame fan, he used to get livid because he used to always say when a team came into Notre Dame, they were already down two touchdowns on the scoreboard. That was his thing. He's like, dude, Notre Dame has the referees in their back pockets. They're already up 14 zip. So you have to outplay them by 14 points to win a game at Notre Dame Stadium. And I don't know if it was more of that or just the atmosphere at that time was rowdier and a little bit different. Now, you know what Notre Dame feels like? It feels like it's become commercialized rather than a football stadium. It's, it's touristy. It's something to sell. It's something to see. It's something to experience rather than, you know what, we're trying to tear these dudes' heads off on the football field. You know, I look at Georgia games. I see girls in the front row wearing spiked shoulder pads. I don't see that in Notre Dame. I don't see anything like that, anything close to that. So it's crazy because we're called the fighting Irish. Right. Right. So I don't know. Once again, it's about trying to keep up with this prestigious air that we try to give off instead of saying, yo, it's Saturday. So we're not trying to be that Notre Dame right now. We're trying to kick your A on this football field. It's a way to do both, if I'm not mistaken. It's a way to be classy. You know what I'm saying? Clatchet. That's what they call it, right? I hear some some uh, some women refer to themselves as clatchet. Classy. Well, I, I, I never said that, women. That's, that's, I didn't hear that. That's not me. I didn't hear that. No, 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 no. I'm saying I've heard, I've heard. I'm in Chicago, so it's different up here, bro. I'm actually here in Chicago when we refer to themselves as clatching. So I'm just repeating what I've heard. By no means is the Lucky Lefty podcast subscribing to anyone being referred to in that way. We're just, I'm just saying being here in Chicago, I've heard it before. I've heard people refer to themselves as clatching, saying okay. classy and ratchet. Okay. As 
though. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, bro. <laughs> Every now and then, it might be cool for Notre Dame fans to be a little clatching. Yeah, just a little bit. Be a little clatching. You know, you know what I'm saying? You can be classy. Just, it's like, I don't even know what it would take. We just are so fun loving and so traditional. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like teams are watching the show that they're just playing a role in because you got the band that runs out. Everybody hits the sign. Oh, the, you know, the, the Jets go over. I mean, it's so. Man, look at the scoreboard and the marching guy. Like it's just, right. it's like a circus. Right. So teams come out that little small tunnel, like the Coliseum. It's like right. oh, we, y'all got all this extra. Sh- we about to blow all this up. We ain't worried right. about nothing. Right. Right. Know, move them recruits over. We, you know, we coming to take over. So right. It's it's set up. It's set up too much of a you want to knock it over type of place. It's not like a oh my goodness the fans were on top of us and. I was distracted because it was a, a clown in the middle of the stand. It wasn't, you know. <laughs> it's just a, it's just an interesting place. You know what? <laughs> that's funny because a lot of people are in the chat. <laughs> Ashley, that's I definitely heard this. Thanks, Ashley Hill. Bougetto. Yeah. Bougetto. I've definitely heard that. Bougetto. One. It's called Bougetto. Yeah, Bougetto. And a girl, D. Beasy. Our two queens here on LL Nation. DBZ says everyone has a little ratchet tendencies. Yeah, like we can, we can. Let's 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 try to boo, you know, uh, a team running out or something. Really, you at know, least on third down. You know what I mean? Yeah, like we yeah. gotta we gotta put the fighting back in the fight night. That's get a little bougetto on third downs. You know what I'm saying? Just a little bit. Matter of fact, hey, DBZ. <laughs> Because I think DBZ is, is Greek, you know. So I know she's classy. But DBZ, answer me if I'm correct. DBZ comes across as one of those people that you just don't want to get on her bad side. You might have to be someone like, like a really nice person. And fellas, if you you know, if you're trying to holler at DBZ, don't lie. Don't lie. Don't try to play her. And don't talk crazy to her, or you might see the other side come out. I pretty much think that's the way it is with our girl DBZ. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that's the way it is with DBZ. Let's get to these wide receivers because um, some people are talking about how you line them up. Avery Davis was already a captain, so I, I think he's still going to be one of the leaders on this team. Will they go after a wide receiver in the transfer portal? It's possible. I don't know, but I don't I don't know if he'll be a if he's a bone like a certified uh, um he's already the leader just because with a new head coach, Marcus Freeman is looking to his guys, I'm sure, and looking to a different feel in the building. I don't think it's just as cut in stone as we would like to receive it. I think there is a change of guard in leadership. There's a change of guard and expectation for what Marcus may be looking for. Maybe he's looking for more of a, you know, whatever the case, maybe he's looking for more defensive leaders for the team. I do think it's stuff that takes place that we don't really 
acknowledge. We just kind of see on game day, and maybe that's one of those things. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But for me, I just really – I think this is just me. I think Lindsey and, and Zoe get the most targets next year. I think Tobias is definitely a factor by game three or four. Tobias Merriweather, Avery Davis, he's a technician on the inside, and it's all about yeah. when he come back. I don't think he'll be there game one. No. I just don't from an entry standpoint. And we don't want him to push it for him to yeah, be back Absolutely. Game one. Absolutely. Would you like for him to be there going yeah. into the horseshoe for his leadership? Yeah. But I don't know if he's physically going to be able to go 100%. And then – Taking a step back, you want Deion Cozy to take a step forward yeah. and be a guy. As someone said in the chat, Joe Wilkins is coming back. The possibility of Xavier Watts coming back across the ball to be a wide receiver. Now, how is Tommy going to put it together? That's the question. That this is where the CJ Williams decommitment. Hurts because it would be different if Avery was just coming back and he was healthy. Yeah. Now that CJ Williams, I mean, CJ Williams' decommitment hurts a little bit, along with a Morion Walker defecting and going over to Michigan. That right there, in my opinion, kind of sealed the fate of our guy Dale Alexander. That, that was just tough to overcome in the evaluation that Marcus Freeman was giving him. Yeah, you lose both of them. It's just not good. No, it's hard to overcome that. Y'all buck wild in this chat. I'll tell you that, man. Come on, man. <laughs> they take what we say and they just take it to the to the next level. That's what we like, man. We like that. So let's talk. Can we talk a little bit about tonight's game? Because yeah, you know, we too. took we took a beating about a month ago, bro. You remember that? Yeah, like Georgia was – oh, I thought Georgia was going to do this and that. Yeah. Yeah, we thought so. We still think so. <laughs> and right now, we're where, we're where we thought we would be. We said Georgia would be in the national championship game. That's a fact. We thought it would be a look – we really thought this would be a coronation tonight because we thought they would handle business against Alabama. Alabama was in here. And they would come into this game – and just pound whoever was there. It would be like a, yes, beat a sorry team. Either way, they're going to have to beat Alabama. Whether it was in, if they beat them in the SEC championship game, Bama doesn't have to play them again. Right. So either way, they have to beat them in the championship game or tonight. That's what it comes down to. The chances that Georgia, Georgia's the favorite by two and a half. Over under for you betters at 52 and a half. Every time they've played in a championship game, the under is hit. Mm. Except for the last time they played. It would just be a shame if Georgia goes out the same way. Yeah. It would just put a big stain on their whole season just because of the way they lost the first time was just like, ah. Yeah. As great as their defense was, just losing the way they did just made it so like 
it just made an asterisk. It felt like like they just didn't feel as good as they was playing. So I doubt that they come with that same intensity the second time. But it really depends on Stetson Vincent. Is he coming out and playing with a man on fire with something to prove? Or is he just going to give a good performance? Because it's going to take more than just a good performance to win tonight. Look, I've been thinking about this. He watched that game. He said to yourself, man. Football is really simple. Stetson Bennett cannot outplay Bryce Young. He just can't outplay him. Yeah, I mean. Not head up. And there are certain things that Georgia has offensively that Alabama can't stop. Yeah. And it's certain things that Alabama has offensively that Georgia can't stop. Basically. And it so comes down to the execution at the QB spot. There you go. You just can't get enough out of what you need from Benson because his ceiling just ain't that high. He's going to do what you ask him, but Bryce can do what you ask him, plus get a little extra on top. And I'm going to be honest with you. Me. I didn't like what I heard from Stetson Bennett this weekend because he's fooling himself. When they were talking to him, he says, you know, I'm not going out there playing with a chip on my shoulder. You know, we feel like we're the better team. And I'm like, no, no, fam. What are you talking about? You need to have a chip on your shoulder. You need to feel like you've been talked about. You need to go out there and be different than the dude that's thrown five interceptions the last two times he's faced Alabama. See, that's just the definition of of a guy that's along for the ride. When you alone for the ride, you saying that because you really want to hide behind everybody else and be like, y'all do it. <laughs> I'm going to just do my part, and hopefully y'all rally behind that and bring me to the forefront because no real dude is saying no stuff like that. That's crazy. It's not that he has to say he has a chip on his shoulder. Right. Don't don't downplay it like y'all just got to handle business. Like this ain't the team that just embarrassed y'all on a national stage, especially from the guy that's not better than the other trigger man on the other side. Man. I'm like, we're looking to hit him in the mouth. We've got a bad taste in the last game. None of that stuff matters in the before. It's all about right now. We're We're looking to do, you know, looking to do the damn thing. He's so calm, like it's just gonna happen, and he's not that good, like you said. It just seems like he's overinflating what he's putting out there because of what's around him. Michigan ain't Alabama, so no, what you, what you went out there did—that's cute, but you got to play on another level tonight. And that's but the thing. thing: I don't think he has to play on another level. I think he just needs to avoid. The mistakes. Yeah, but that's going to happen. If he plays clean football, they'll be in the game. That's all you got a chance. That's all you want to do is give your athletes a chance to make the play in the fourth quarter. That's all you want to do if you're a quarterback. If you're Stetson Bennett, that's all you want to do. Don't go out there and try to win the game because you can't. Because you can't, yeah. If you go out there and try to win the game, you're not that dude. If you try to outperform your performance – you go embarrass yourself because Alabama's a team that they waiting for that. 
Yeah. They played so many games where they were favored that they just will get right back into, all right, you're going to mess up. We're going to take advantage, and we're just going to take off on you. Just flat out go out and be a college quarterback. Just be a really good college quarterback tonight. That's it. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's good enough. Because if your defense can't stop Bryce Young, it won't make a difference. Yeah. The game will be more than likely the game will be decided when you're on the sideline. Yeah, basically. It's gonna come down to this Georgia defense doing what it's been all year. Absolutely. Because that's the that's the best, that's the best what you can put in college football on the turf for all the marbles. Georgia defense versus Bryce Young. That's the best combination on the field in college football. Stetson Benson, you, I can't imagine him driving against Alabama for two minutes for the game. That's just not how this game is yeah. going to set up. The football gods are going to place the best defense on the field versus the Heisman winner and Bama on offense for the for the for all the marbles. That's how I feel like the game's going to come down to. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, right, I'll, I can tell you within the first two series whether or not this is going to be over or whether it's not, you know, because I'm telling you now, if they, let, if they let Alabama come out and score early, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. If, if, if Bryce Young gets into a rhythm early, it's going to be a long night for Georgia, man. They didn't look like a good second half the last time they played. Right. It's so crazy, though. We were talking this weekend, right? And and LL Nation, this was one of the funniest moments of the weekend. So I'm talking talking to Malik offline this weekend. And uh, we're laughing, right? And then he's like, man, I wonder where – well, Will Anderson is going to go in the draft. I said, what you mean? He's like, he's going to the draft. I said, no, no, no. I said, no, my brother, that dude's coming back one more. <laughs> that dude has to come back. And he was like, what? But yeah. yeah. I couldn't believe yeah, it. One more year of terrorizing quarterbacks in the SEC. When you talk about Python, incredible. he's playing like he's – a five-year vet looking to just transition into the league. The man first year even being recognized, he's one of the best players on defense in the country. And it's even crazier is because he's he was there last year. Yeah. <laughs> he just he just been there just getting big, developing, yeah. watching the older guys. The whole time was the best one, or one yeah. of the best ones. So it's just it's just crazy to see the type of how in depth the recruiting is at Bama, and just a goal of what we want to be to. That looks like a Jalen Sneed that we thought was a linebacker yeah. had to wait his turn because we had another first round guy that through a year getting bigger was like, you know what, you might look good on that <laughs> rushing on the outside. That's funny because I see in the chat. You know, people going back and forth over the C.J. Williams thing, and you know, people are like, "Move on." Look, we're having a conversation about depth at the wide receiver position, which is going to be lacking 
because of two deep commitments and injury like it's a conversation you have to have it's an honest conversation nobody's we lost a coach over like he left yeah we lost a coach over that but if we didn't we lost a coach over that but the wide receiver room will have more depth if they didn't lose the two receivers they lost at the end of the early signing period that's just the code that's true and it sealed Dell Alexander's faith. It did. No, please. We were the first. Who, who were the first people to say he never wanted to be here anyway? This podcast. The LA Nation. If you're going to have an honest conversation, which we ha- we're having right now, you have to bring him up. So put your hands over your ears if you don't want to hear his name. Because if it pops up that we have lack of depth, during the season, you might hear his name again. Like, hey, this is where not recruiting well at that position over the last two years hurts. Yeah. We can talk about the decommitments from the 2020 class. It hurts. And that's one of the biggest things that Jamarcus Shepard or Holman Wiggins is going to have to change. The narrative about the wide receiver room at Notre Dame. That narrative is going to have to change. And you know, I talked to I, I talked to our guy Brian Driscoll offline, and I think he's pretty much said this as well. Their top priority is Dante Moore. I'll just leave it at that. At that quarterback position. Their top priority is Dante Moore. And it might come down to when Dante Moore wants to commit. You know, he might want to wait. wait. Where else would he go? But I'm saying he might want to wait. You know, he might not want to commit in the early spring. He might want to wait it out over the summer. The only place he can go is Bama. That's a heck of a place. (laughs) That's that's a a heck of a place to go. That's a heck of a place to go. I agree with that. He don't seem like the type. You know, he don't really, you know. I didn't think Bryce was the type. Bryce ended up being the type. But you said you didn't think Bryce was what type? I didn't think Bryce was going to go to Alabama. Oh, the type to go to Alabama. Well, he wasn't. USC just happened to be down. They just happened to they happened to suck. And they took advantage of it. We don't, we don't, we not like that though. We have a I mean, it just seems like it's a really good fit. It's kind of like one of those fits where you just like, like Michael Jordan to the Bulls. It was just a fit. Yeah. Like I really yeah. couldn't see him getting like even hypothetically drafted nowhere else. It was just the Bulls or it was no Michael Jordan. Yeah. So Dante, yeah, I don't think he'll look good in a Arizona jersey. It just it just best if you just go ahead and put on that gold and blue. Well, dude, he won't look better in any jersey than he will in the gold and blue. Yeah, it just I just you think this that. just one of those fits, you know. Like I ain't gonna lie to you, I didn't think Tyler at first was a a, a Notre Dame. Midwest Notre Dame guy. So, yeah, I, I thought he he was so far west. I'm thinking he's a cow yeah. or a Washington or something, but you know, it changes every day. Yeah, Matt Anderson, thank you. It's more than just recruiting, though. I mentioned this last week. Georgia recruits four to five, five-star recruits every year. 
and is always in like the top three, and they won one championship in their history. Georgia's That's only thing is that they never recruit a great quarterback ever, 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 ever. They never do it, and I really think it's deeper than just not wanting to. But Georgia's problem is just like 90% of the SEC. The only difference is Bama decided not to be like that and resulted a bunch of championships. Everybody yep. else is still like that. So, yep. I mean, what? Georgia would never ever change. That's why they struggle now. Look at Jake Fromm, Stetson Benson. Those aren't championship type of quarterbacks. Yep. But that's the lineage of what they want to see down there, and they will continuously lose no matter how strong, big, and fast they recruit the guys around the guy, football is at a different place, and it takes a different kind of position, athlete in that position, to get it done. You, got, If anything else, you're just going to be like Icarus. You're going to get super close, and then your wings going to burn up, and you're going to be like, damn, what happened? So it's either make the change, like hopefully we're doing, and it, and, and you can get there. You know, or be like Clemson and find you a Trevor Lawrence. I don't know how Trevor Lawrence is able to lead the state of Georgia. You know? Yo, it's safe to say that the quarterback room at Notre Dame has been better than the quarterback room at Georgia. Yeah. I'm going to keep it a buck. Georgia gives tryouts for their quarterbacks at school. They'd be like, who want to just try out to be on this all-star team? Stetson Bennett was a walk-on that left, went to junior college, came back, was told he has no shot to start, and still ended up being the starter. That's a dude. That's a real problem at your quarter in your quarterback room. That's a problem. No doubt. That's a problem. No doubt. That's that's a big problem. Notre Dame has a problem in the quarterback room, but Notre Dame's quarterback room. It's better than that. It's had better production and looked a whole lot better than Georgia's. Georgia just got dysfunction. Like they just, I don't know. Maybe they budget runs out on quarterbacks. They they spend all that money on everything else, and they're like, "Damn, we only got a couple grand for a quarterback. Shoot, we might as well just have tryouts." Yeah. <laughs> they like be walking around campus and see a couple intramural teams and be like, "You know what? Put that with what we got. We can make something out of it." And, and make no mistake about it. You just can't poo-poo recruiting. The only reason Georgia has had three legitimate shots to beat Alabama is because of their recruiting. Yeah. Like, it's a reason Georgia is like, it's Bama and then it's Georgia. There's a reason why Georgia's right there with another legitimate shot to beat Alabama. And recruiting is the main reason. The, the main only reason. reason. And you can't think of Georgia. Man. You can't think of Georgia's culture without yeah. Kirby Smart and not think about recruiting. Yeah, and that you can't, you can't you can't disassociate Georgia's success since Kirby's been there without thinking of recruiting. Yeah, you couldn't yeah. say it's the coaching. You couldn't say it was the culture. You couldn't say it was nothing else. It was recruiting changed Georgia. That's it. They yeah, fast fooded yeah. the process at Alabama. To get something that tastes good, but yeah. it ain't good for you. Bama done cooked the whole meal and had it all. They, you know, pre-cooked the meals and had it laid out for weeks ahead. Georgia was like, okay, we know how to make the food, but we need it faster. 
Now they got, you know, high cholesterol, you know, blood pressure. But they they nice. They taste good, but they they ain't built for the long run. So they better get some coaching in there because yeah. now either they they either do that or they're gonna run out of money because now the, the market going up, now the NIL is wide open. Yeah, that's true. Well, I just hope that this doesn't um <laughs> I hope this isn't the end, man, because you know. If it's a devastating loss tonight, man, that Georgia program could really start a – it won't be a precipitous decline, but I can see it starting to fall back a little bit. Like, Because there's only so many opportunities you get to knock at the door. You know what I mean? Like you don't just get opportunities over and over again. At some point you kick the door down or you end up falling down the flight of stairs. Because they're going to be like, when these checks going to start turning into rings, man? Right. The alumni are going to get sick of sending them donations and things they turn into parades at the end of the season. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why it's important tonight. Kirby Smart has to be a great leader tonight, man. I don't know what he has in store for his pregame speech. He can't be passive in there. Every time he get on the mic talking about Alabama, he's super passive. So, super you know, passive. they're a good team. Oh, you know, they're, they're good. They did some good things, you know what I mean? Nah. It's like, yo, they're a good team. We're a good team. Nah, fam. <laughs> you better call Lou Holtz and have him send over one of his speeches or something. He 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 always plays these games like it's an honor to play saving, not like he actually want to beat them. It's just like, you know what? If we give it our all, we win, man, I, that's all I can ask for. Like, no, you're not yeah, paying for recruits like that. D-Rock, you're right. I think this is a must-win must for Georgia tonight, man. This is a must-win. And it's their fault. They yeah, the absolutely. ones that recruited the 25 stars and paid all that. Yeah, so you need a win in this situation. You don't, yeah, you don't get to lose tonight. <laughs> you don't get to lose tonight. No. Because if teams can't coach their way to beat Alabama and they can't buy their way to beat Alabama, then, they, then I mean – Somebody got to take Saban out. That's all That's all it comes down to. And on top of that, let's be real. Look, Nick Saban shot one across the bow of college football yesterday in his press conference. When he was asked about the NIL, and he flat out said, like, look, the NCAA needs to regulate this before it gets out of hand. And before somebody starts to dominate, that, that's his words. He, he said, I'm know. giving y'all a head start before I get to take it off. And you ain't put to get nobody. Nick Saban is letting you know, like, all right, I'm going to give y'all some time to get this straight. <laughs> y'all don't. He said, because he said, I got a plan cooking up to where it's really going to be over for you. It's about to get real. He's going to start paying NFL salaries. We so goddamn good. For sure. You just let to get a salary, you come to us. You just get a four-year check, you know. It's going to be competition. It's going to be tough. But no. you can't – what you going to do? What you, the whole state going to be involved in it. Because Nick Saban feels like I don't need the NIL. I've been I've been smacking y'all without the NIL. <laughs> I don't need the NIL. But if y'all going to let the NIL be the wild, wild west like this, it's going to get worse. It's going Y'all extending my career by like 10 years. Easy. Yeah. 
He's like, I got the money, the resources, the, the resume, the, the, the what you need, the recruiting. Right. I got the staff. I got it all. So, yeah, I bet I'm giving y'all a head start in my public head start announcement. Yeah. Better fix it before I break it. I got Gilded Irishman said it best. He's letting Jimbo know. Jimbo talking about all these number one recruiting classes. He's like, okay. <laughs> all right. Okay, Jimbo. You you trying to you trying to pay to catch up? I got you. I got you. He said, you see what happened to Georgia. Right. I figured out the solution down there. It's like fast and the furious, right? <laughs> that cat, that cat is like O'Connor. Yeah. Jimbo was O'Connor hitting that nitro just a little bit too soon. Hitting the nitro too soon, and here comes Nick Saban, your boy uh, Nico. What's his name? Uh, Toretto. Yeah. Chilling, letting Jimbo hit the nitro, and then just looking at him like too soon. <laughs> and he gave him right, and, you know, and, and we and we're doing it the right way. We're trying to fly under the radar and scoop up some people. You know, we. We ain't trying to test no, cause you know we got a lot. We got a lot. We working on ourselves. We definitely on that. But saving is letting everybody know. I'm about to make Man. this real unfair. And I know it's unfair now, but after I win tonight and show y'all that the NIL won't stop me, y'all can't outbuy me. I'm gonna start buying up everything. <laughs> this man gotta be stopped. <laughs> it's crazy, bro. I, I just, man, when I heard that yesterday, I just put my head down like, man, this dude. Yeah. This dude is trying to warn you before he takes over more territory. Like, look, I'm going to go ahead and take this territory if y'all don't like <laughs> do what you need to do. <laughs> and as, as, I'm, as I'm preparing for this championship game. Right. Y'all go ahead and get them rules together. Before I come back and smash all that, the NCAA won't listen. And then, even if Bama loses tonight, you know what the narrative is going to be? <laughs> what a great coaching job by Nick Saban. Nobody expected them to beat Georgia. They beat them in the SEC championship game. Georgia's been the best team all year. And for, for, for Alabama to even be here, it's just one of Nick Saban's greatest coaching jobs. I'm telling you what the narrative is going to be. Yeah. He's already he set up. He's winning for winning. He's winning in every situation. So the Bears fire Matt Nagy and GM Ryan Pace. The Vikings fire Mike Zimmer and Spillman, their GM. Brian Flores, for I don't know what reason, is relieved of his duties down in Miami. You know why. You know why. You know why. I'm not getting into that, dude. All I know is. There's some guys that have gotten jobs and continue to get second chances. And you fire this guy after going 10 and 6 and 9 and 8. In Bill Belichick conference. In Bill Belichick conference. And the GM is the one that decided to take Tua over Justin Herbert, who, by the way, he's proven to me each and every week. He's a dude on the NFL level. I mean, oh, we need to calm down. But once he, again, it's one good year. Let's let it. Let's let it live where it lives. Let it's pretty darn good that. year, bro. It's pretty darn good year. Oh my God, Dak had a darn good year. His rookie no, no, no. year. First of all, Justin Justin Herbert's had a good year and a half. 
Don't hate Wait on that. Wait a minute. Dak had one of the best rookie years of, of all time. I agree. So, but what are we thinking about Dak now? Well, first of all, I don't think he was the MVP or he wasn't the rookie of the year over Zeke. I don't is care Dak what nobody dude, said. Is Dak a dude now? No, he never was a dude for me. <laughs> a dude? Well, he was a dude as rookie taking Tony Romo job and, and, he had, and all he of that. Great, he had a he over he had he a over, great he outperformed year. expectations just because okay. he outperformed that don't make you a dude. If expectations is zero and you get to I'm a five, saying Justin Herbert's, I'm saying Justin Herbert is the same case. He outperformed expectations. Justin Herbert has far more physical tools than Dak Prescott. You know darn well Dak Prescott gun is like a third. We're talking about production. I'm not saying that Justin Herbert can't throw better. I know he can throw better. Okay. We're talking, your about, point? We're talking about saying he's a dude and just saying he had a great season. But why isn't Dak Prescott a dude? Because he because has. Because he can't make certain throws in the NFL. Know? Because at a certain length of time, when you judge the overall career, you can have an honest evaluation. Can okay. you say you had an honest enough evaluation about Justin Herbert to say he's a dude? That's no. Not, first of all, I didn't say he was a dude. I said he continues to prove himself because he's yet to decline or hit a plateau. He keeps getting better. Yeah, he just started. It's been a year and a half. What are you talking about? He just started. Patrick Mahomes didn't just start, right? Patrick Mahomes got what four or five years under his belt, dude. Okay, so, now wait a minute. You didn't know halfway through, Pat. See, you one of those people that need to see it. I don't need to wait see. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. After wait six minute. games, I knew Patrick Mahomes was a dude. I didn't. Need how to many see games him. did it take for you? How many games did it take for you to know anything about Baker? I knew about Baker when he was at Oklahoma. So, so okay. How many games did when they take? drafted him number one overall? I was like, that's the worst number. All, number <laughs> overall, okay, number we can agree. Time. We can agree. We can agree. So you're saying that you, when they drafted Justin Herbert, you were thinking he was going to be a dude? No. When they drafted Justin Herbert, where they drafted him, I was like, he's going to have low expectations, and that's the right. best thing right. for him. Okay. So that wasn't like a – But I uh, knew he had talent. It wasn't like I didn't know he had talent. Baker got talent. Baker got talent. No talent. Where? Baker won the Heisman. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Do non-talented guys win the Heisman? Yes. Tim Tebow. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yes. Yes, they do. What about the other Jason White from Oklahoma? Okay, but Pete. Hey, you walked into that one on your own. Okay, Jason White has enough talent. To do he had what? enough talent. But what I'm saying is Justin Herbert exceeded low expectations in a short sample size that's got everybody thinking that he's the next Dan Marino or something. I'm just saying let it live where it lives and let it play out. Like, for instance, Baker Mayfield. A lot of people are hype on Baker Mayfield. Five years later, when it played out, they trying to get rid of the boy. Now, I think in a comparison, 
is Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow has a better career long long term than a Justin Herbert because you know, Joe Burrow even came back from catastrophic injury and still is putting on was a dude before he got to the NFL. You knew he was a dude at LSU. I thought he had one good season at LSU, which is true. Here we go. It's true. You just need to see it. I don't need to see it. Justin Fields had one good season at Ohio State. And I'm like, that's a dude. Okay, is Justin Fields a dude? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen that glimpse. (laughs) I haven't seen that glimpse. all season. What do you mean? Is Justin Fields going to be a dude? From the small sample size. I haven't seen every good game he's had has been half of the game. Like that great second half he had against Pittsburgh, that was one half. The first half was Okay, okay. So half, quarter, couple seconds, what can you evaluate from what you've seen? Just like Justin Herbert. You haven't seen all of Justin Herbert play. You can win win 10 games with Justin Fields in the NFL. Okay. You're asking me, have I seen something? Okay, yes, sir. You're saying, have I seen anything that puts him on Patrick Mahomes' level? No. 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 Okay. But you said, but you saying you seeing things from Justin Herbert on no, a home. I court. said he's steadily improving. Don't try What's to a dude? My I need, okay, maybe I need to know what a dude means. I never said he was a dude. I said Proving he's steadily improving. He's steadily yes. improving and could be a dude. I said he could okay. be a dude. Who's a dude? Patrick Mahomes is a dude. Do you think that the gap between Patrick and Justin is huge or small? Oh, this it, Justin got a ways to go. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, he got a ways to go. Justin has a ways to go to get to Deshaun. Boy, I'm talking about Herbert. They both have a ways to go. Okay, that's fair because I think Deshaun's a dude. I think Patrick Mahomes a dude. You got to do. You got to realize Justin Herbert walked in with a lot of toys. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. A lot of toys. I don't think you can say Justin Herbert's a dude just yet, just like you can't say about Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields just yet. I can tell you what I I, Dak was never never going to be. (laughs) Don't hate on Dak. Don't hate on Dak. I ain't hating on Dak. I wouldn't have given there's no way I would have been guilted into giving them all that money. (gasps) Never. Look at what he's doing now. They have a great what, record. What is he now. doing? He's been terrible the last six games. Wait a minute. They're going into the playoffs, top two team in the NFC. Man, we do got the best. He's had the best offensive line for like his entire career. What are you talking about? So, with all these things and what he's doing right now, what's the problem? Why, can you, why wouldn't you give him that money? You can win with him. But you asking me to give up 35% of my cap to one dude? He better be Patrick Mahomes. He better not be Dak Prescott. I can he, tell he, you that. Playoffs. He, he got a higher playoff spot than Patty Mahomes. He got a what? A higher playoff spot. They, Dallas number two in the playoffs in the NFC. Kansas City number two. What are you talking about? Oh, the Kansas City number two as well? I thought they was number yeah. four. I thought they was number four. <laughs> Kansas City might as well have a bye. They play the Steelers. <laughs> Well, Dallas got the same seed. But Dallas is going home, though. (laughs) See? That's you hated. You You think Dallas is beating the 49ers? I'm saying Dak is giving his money's worth. 
Y'all paid him seventy is. million to get to the playoffs. He's in the playoffs. He better not That's lose it. first round. I know that. He's not getting paid all that money to lose first round. I know that. You, you, you talk about what he what in the future. We don't know the future. No. No. We know that he signed the contract to do certain things, and now he's in position, position Dude, to do those certain things. Because you you're him. saying like they could win 10 games with Danucci. So basically you're saying basically you're saying Danucci won the one game that he, he did play. Is Danucci taking the Cowboys to 10 and 6 in the playoffs like they are? Or 10 and 7? Man, cut it out. Man, cut it out. I'm about hey, to man. Off. You got I'm a lot more off. faith. You got a lot more faith off. in Dak. You got a lot more faith in Dak than me. I know that. You you can't see on a straight face on the LL Dak Nation. Dak hasn't even been to a championship game. Wait a minute. Yet, Wait a minute. We can't cross over this. We haven't been to a championship game yet. We can't cross over this, Sean. Cross over You what? can't sit there on this podcast and say, Ben DiNucci or any other quarterback on that roster would have got this team to where they are right now. Come on, man. This is this so, is this is this is blast. You're, try, you're trying to say they got this record because of Dak Prescott? Is that what you're trying they to say? They wouldn't have been in the playoffs if it wasn't for Dak. If you put Justin Fields on the Cowboys with that yeah, talent around him, I guarantee you they make the playoffs. We're not talking about Justin Fields. He's talented. But wait a minute. Any talented quarterback with that offense and those weapons will make the playoffs. Stop trying to act like Des Pres- Dak Prescott is making things look better than what they are. He's not we that saw, new. We saw how pathetic the Cowboys looked when Dak Prescott wasn't around. Dude. Nobody was me, thinking. Dude, you're trying to make it seem like Dak Prescott is on the same level of Patrick Mahomes, and he's not. I'm saying we paid – they paid money to – Dak they Prescott. didn't pay Dak Prescott that money to get to the playoffs. That's not why they paid him. Right. They paid him to get it to Super Bowl, right? Thank you. That's right. The playoffs should be a given. That should be Smokes. a given. The, and, playoffs and for Aaron Rodgers, the playoffs for Aaron Rodgers <laughs> is a given. The playoffs for Tom Brady is a given. The playoffs for Patrick Mahomes is a given. You're not get, you saying. don't get 35% of the cap to make it to the playoffs. Right. That should be right. a given. Right. All I'm saying is that regardless of what's around you, regardless of what's around you as the quarterback, when you step on the field and you get paid that much money, you should be a playoff team, regardless. Okay. And they're a playoff team with the chance to win the Super Bowl. No. No. (laughs) No. They're not winning the Super Bowl. Dude, I don't know what offensive team you've been watching the last six weeks. (laughs) They're not winning the Super Bowl. Dallas got their money's worth with Dak Prescott. That's what I'm proving. They paid Dak $75 million to be in position to win a Super Bowl, and damn it, he's in there. He has not made a championship team. He has <laughs> not made a championship game yet. Don't tell me about what he's done. He has not made it to a championship, a conference championship game yet. He hasn't made it. How many? How many years does it take? Because are you comparing this to Patrick? Because Patrick did it in what two? How many quarterbacks are doing that? How many quarterbacks are doing that? And I'm not talking Dang. about that. He's talking about people in the chat talking about 17%. I'm talking about when you're a dude, you're 30% of the cap when you get your big contract. Am I right or wrong? You're right. It's deserving. Dak, though. Wait a minute. 
if Dak makes the Super Bowl and wins the Super Bowl, is he going to rip up that contract and ask for more money? Of course. That's the market. Okay. They okay. Yeah. We know how this goes. Yeah. Okay, then. So we know that he deserves that money. And when he fulfills it. what? Upon the market, upon the need, upon the fact that they wouldn't be there without him. Man, stop, dude. Come on, man. So based upon the market, Baker Mayfield should get should get the contract extension, no, right? No, no, no. Baker Mayfield and hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, you said based upon the market. Whoa. We talk about guys that are at that level and guys that's not at that level. Baker is not at no DAC level. You think Baker's at a DAC level? No, that's not what I said. Okay, okay. We, you said no, we have the mortgage no, now. When you negotiate a contract, you get whatever you can negotiate, right? Do you think that Baker is going to get paid? Answer the question. You get what you deserve based upon what you can negotiate, right? Fair, yes. If the market says, if the market says that Baker deserves this much money, regardless of how we feel, that's what he deserves if that's the market. So you said based upon the market, if that's the market for Baker Mayfield, he deserves that money, right? For good quarterbacks. The Browns not going to give him that. We the go. Browns going to be like, you want what? Oh, no, we're going to have to let you walk, brother. Go ahead, walk over to Minnesota, <laughs> Detroit. Come on, he ain't giving you that. What? Come on, man. Look, I, it's one thing to like Dak Prescott. It's a whole nother thing to, like, get the pom-poms out. The pom-poms? Yeah, dude. Throw the pom-poms away. Dude is okay. Last year he was he was hurt, right? What'd they do? Yeah, that's when he, he yeah, that's when he, he had the compound fracture in the uh, Yeah, and then what happened? And, and what happened to the Cowboys? What do you mean? What happened when he got hurt? What did he got hurt? Dude, what happened? The, if Aaron Rodgers get hurt, gets hurt, what's gonna happen to the Packers? What's your point? Any NFL team that loses. If Patrick Mahomes get Mahomes get hurt, gets hurt, what do you think is going to happen to the Chiefs? They're going to be and, and guess how much they're paying that guy though. Chad, Chad Henney is going to win how many games for the Chiefs? Zero, just like Ben DiNucci. Okay, so you have to pay the guy that's going to keep the team afloat, and that's Dak Prescott. You compare Dak to Aaron Rodgers well, and Patrick saying, Mahomes. They had no choice but to pay. That they had a choice. They just said the smart thing to do is to pay the guy that's going to give us 10 wins and get us in the playoffs in position to win a Super Bowl. Okay. You're going to be in position all the time and never win a <laughs> Super Bowl. That's my point. You can be in position as much as you want to. You know how many times I have put my boys in position, introduced <sighs> them to girls, and they couldn't close the deal? Are you kidding me? You can be the greatest friend in the world, man. Put your guys in position, introduce them, Damn tell the God. young lady all the nice things about them. <laughs> Set the table. If they can't close, they can't close. And Dak is not that dude. Jeez. Well, somebody paying him like he's that guy. I can't argue with the money, you know. He got the money because that was his market value. Let's we'll see how Baker's market value is. I want to see Baker's market value. I want to see Baker's market value after this. 
But you're trying to make it seem like Dak got the money because he was a dude. That's not why he got the contract. He got the contract because that was the market value and they had no choice. NFL teams don't have a choice now? No, not at quarterback. Come on, man. Come on. Okay. Watch the Packers keep Aaron Rodgers after all this stuff they talk. We talking about Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. Yeah. Just like you talking about Dak Prescott in the same sentence. That's right. Thank you, uh, Tavis. Dallas is a three seed. They're not even a two seed. Look, they paid seventy million to get close to that Super Bowl, and they, they think they can win. Seventy million to be a three seed. Do you think they're gonna pay seventy million to Baker? Because that's what the market says. Absolutely not. That's Absolutely. Not. Absolutely Who else? Not. Wait a minute. Hold on. Who else is Cleveland gonna get? Cleveland didn't even make the playoffs. Who are they about to get? And quarterback. There's no quarterback. There's no viable quarterback in this class. Somebody not getting Aaron Rodgers. They're not getting Aaron Rodgers. They're not getting Russell Wilson. Who are the Cleveland Browns going to get? Somebody cheaper. Lucky Lefty Podcast, man. (laughs) Like I told you, I'm on my backup computer. I don't have the intro, but let's get to it, man. Petty (laughs) Josh. Dude. You just being petty against Justin Herbert for no reason. Oh, just give the young man credit. Tobias Merriweather for the video, the TikTok he put out there about CJ Williams. Super petty. Super petty. It's like, man, you know what? I feel you. I feel the 22 class feeling like, yo, they had a pack. But now you are officially a member and a student at Notre Dame. Let it go. Let it go. Move on, man. You got your locker assignment yesterday. You got your dorm room assignment. The dorm rooms, based upon what I saw from Nolan Ziegler, the dorm rooms in Notre Dame are pretty small, dude. I just like to throw that out there. It's not about it's not about where you at. It's about uh what you're doing there. You know. Here we go. You, know, you ain't gonna be in the room long enough to even think about it. So you be all right. I was just pointing out the fact that they seemed a little small. That's all I'm saying. No, it is. That's all I'm saying. They could build a newer dorm, bro. Like, build a newer dorm and still let the students stay with the athletes. Just have that particular dorm be a little bit more luxurious. That's all I'm saying. That's true. Small things like that. Step into the 20s, man. Step into the 2020s. You don't have to build something off campus where it's athletes only. Build a dorm that's a little bit more upscale. And still allow students to stay there along with the squad. That's all I'm asking. It ain't much to ask for. It ain't much to ask at all, man. Petty. I got to put John Moran on the petty train, bro. I don't know if you all saw what he did last night at Crypto. Lakers. He loves going crazy against them Lakers. Yo, my man blocked the shot, hit his elbow on the backboard, and blocked it with two hands and then went the other way. <laughs> like, and then almost hit his head on the alley oop. He did the Shannon Brown to the Lakers. Hey, man, look. That was super petty. It was Avery Bradley, bro. You didn't have to grab that man's layup with two hands. 
Yeah. You didn't have to do that. That's super petty, bro. That's super petty. Yeah, that's super different, too. Just embarrassment. Respect your elders, man. You're supposed to yeah. respect your elders. You know, Avery didn't have to do that to Avery man. Bradley. Yeah. He did not have to do that to A.B. Bradley. Them young Somebody kids were disrespecting the OGs, man. Them young kids, man. they take it easy on no OGs. <laughs> Somebody else we got to throw on the petty train. Brandon Staley. This dude, man, look. I understand going forward on fourth down and being aggressive, but not from your own 19-yard line, my dude. What are you doing? You don't even do that on John, on Madden. Nobody's doing that on Madden. Yeah, he wanted it too bad. No, he wanted to be an idiot that bad, dude. You know why? You know why? Prisoner of the moment. You thought you had Tom Brady back there. And I'm saying, let the young kid be a young kid. I thought he was some Superman making bad decisions, putting the game in the, well, in the hold young on, head. Hold on, see, because the numbers, the numbers are about to fly in your face. That was the only, <laughs> wait a minute, that was the only fourth down that they didn't convert. Yeah. And he was six for, wait, wait. He was six for six on fourth downs. So you can stop that. No, nah, I can't. Because yeah, what, what is it? Six what is for six on fourth downs. So are you the type that throw the ball instead of hand it to Marshawn Lynch? Because you said Russell Wilson then had a crazy game, all game, 400 yards. He didn't let him all the way down. And you're going to go to the side and be like, we might as well let him throw it. Where's my hand, whistle? Hand the ball off, Sean. Hand the ball off, Sean. <laughs> you, are, you are reaching with five fouls right now. What, is, what are you hey, talking about right now? Hand the ball off, Sean. What are you talking about? Y'all put so much faith in this quarterback to be Superman because y'all in a prisoner of the moment. Oh, he can throw it 70 yards. Oh, we got Justin Herbert. And y'all didn't think of playing the game. Bill Belichick would never. I don't care if you got got Patrick Mahomes. You're not going for it on your own 19-yard line? I'm telling you why he went for it. No, he went for it because that's what he does all the time. He saw that long hair out there. He saw that 6'5 dude out there and oh, said, that's minute. my Superman. He saw the long hair out the helmet and handed it off to Austin Eckler. That's what he did? Come on, man. Stop that. It's because it's because Justin Herbert probably tried to do Lamar. It was like, hey, we should go for it. We should go for it. Come on, man. You can't, you can't out Lamar Lamar, Justin Herbert. Punt that ball, man. And I know we talked about this already, but your boy Nick Saban is going on the petty train. Because he didn't have to let everybody know what he's about to do. He didn't have to. That was super petty. Nick Saban had to let you know. But that's, oh, that's when, you, when you're on the top of the hill, you do stuff like that. You know what I mean? You got to let the let the people know what's coming before the rain come. Bronx ND fan says, do the big line, do the big line and then know that they ain't sleeping the same beds. They do. They just uh, <laughs> they just give an extra twin. That's all. <laughs> uh, uh, dude. dude, look here, man. It's been a great show, bro. I have fun talking to you all the time. This is crazy. <laughs> this is the last game of the year, man. 
Last game. Last game of the year. And it would be fitting if it comes down to the quarterback position, wouldn't it? I feel like that's what it's going to come down to. The quarterback position is going to make so the difference. The in most the last underrated game. versus the most acclaimed, essentially. As always, we're featured and brought to you by Anora Whiskey. Go to anorawhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, anorawhiskey.com. I know one thing, Dak better not get sent home this weekend. I know that. <laughs> That's what you want. That's what I know. That's what you want. I know that's what you want to see. Man, I missed a super chat from Matt 2011 GT. Somebody get Sean an oatmeal raisin cookie. Man, mm-hmm. look, my bro, my bro over here was talking crazy. <laughs> He's over here trying to compare Dak Prescott to Aaron Rodgers. And man, come on. Hey, that, hey, that star gonna shine on that helmet when it comes playoff time, man. They must be playing in the afternoon with the sun hitting it. <laughs> That's okay. Like we just know who's not playing. The, oh, the yeah. And last but not least, Johnny Manziel huh? goes on the petty train, bro. I had to get him. I had to get him this weekend. So I guess he got jealous about Notre Dame fans talking about the 2023 recruiting class and how they were number one. And so he tweeted out, you know, a snapshot of the recruiting rankings from this year and said, ND fans must not be aware of what's happening in College Station of what we're doing. And, you know, and then put clowns on the end of the statement as if Notre Dame fans were clowns, which I thought was ironic because the, the nerve of if there's one person that does not need to call anybody else a clown. It's probably Johnny Manziel. I don't know. He can talk a little stuff from just what he was for college. You know, he did have Mike Evans. Last I checked, what did he win? Shit, nothing. Just like us. Okay. And he did beat Bama. So I feel like now you should just get trophies for beating Bama. And thank you, DBZ. He's a goofy. I think he is too. But as we say in Chicago, get your goof out of here. <laughs> get That's out right. of here. He's a goofy man. Like, what are you talking about? First of all, you don't even know what we're talking about. You jump into our conversation to try to throw shade, and you look like a goofy. Yeah, we ain't worried about Johnny Manziel, man. So, and on top of that, another reason Brandon Staley, we already discussed Brandon Staley lost that game against the Chiefs. <laughs> PS says saving is singing. Who going to stop the rain? It's going to be hard. The NIL just gave him superpowers. You know what I mean? You already gave a bad guy the gun. Now you gave him superpowers. Man, look. Yeah, Pierre said, man, he balled up his fist this weekend looking at that dude talking crazy. 
So we talked about this show, man. We thank everybody for tapping in. We talked about the big weekend, um, the return of Isaiah Foskey, the commitment of Brandon Joseph, performance of the youngsters in the All-American game, them enrolling in school on yesterday, getting their lockers and the dorm room assignments. We talked about the return of Harry Heastan and how important that is and making life easy for Tyler Buckner and the offense. We talked about the wide receiver room and whether or not they need to ask someone from the transfer portal. We talked about our confidence on the back end and the safeties and trying to figure out who that next defensive back is going to be next to Cam Hart. And we also put a prediction out there that Notre Dame's defensive line is going to spearhead Notre Dame's defense being a top five defense. We gave you a lot today, as we always do right here on the Lucky Lefty podcast. So as always, hit that like button. Hit that like button. Hit it right now. Everybody, take a moment. Hit the like button. It's very important. Subscribe, share, and like. Let everybody know we spin it different. Lucky Lefty Podcast. So, any parting thoughts? My brother. I got Georgia by seven. That's what I'm going with. You got Georgia by a tutty. By a tutty. Man. A tutty? Man, you you have them putting some pressure on Bryce then. I mean, Georgia can't do worse than what they did last time. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to look good. at it that way. <laughs> good grief. I, we're riding high on Georgia. I can't flake out now. Uh, DBZ, definitely. Let me know whenever you get here. Uh, let's see. Tavis McKay says Bama's going to roll tonight. EK said Bama by 17. Seventeen is a lot of points, man. They did it last time. Especially, I don't know if you can get like a repeat of the SEC championship game, but if you do, like I said, this is a must-win for Georgia, in my opinion. Like, yeah, a loss tonight, a devastating, a blowout loss tonight would be devastating to that program, in my opinion. Yeah, because where do you go from there? Where do you go from yeah. there? You don't ball all the time. Man. So, you guys, enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, spend it different. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 9 a.m. We have a special guest for you on Wednesday's show. But we'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Hopefully with more information about the coaching search and possibly a new wide receiver coach once the national championship game ends. All right? Have a great day. <laughs>